Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Body Life Pastor Terrence Ford. John's Gospel, Chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, your cell phones, your pads, whatever you use, if you bring nothing, we bring it to you via screen. Amen. Just look up. Touch your neighbor and tell them to just look up. John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who was laid, who had died, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes on, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. You can be seated. On our lead pastor in his absence today, Pastor Chris, we thank him for this opportunity to preach. If you don't know me, my name is Terrence Ford. I believe everybody should know me. I serve as the body life pastor here at HPC, and I'm excited to be preaching for you today. Brother Josh, here we go. Amen. I want to talk today about our God is up to something. Our God is up to something. You look beautiful in Christ today. Y'all ready? The Bible lets us see how messed up we are and how messed up we would be without any mediation. I think we all need to praise God for the scripture in 1 Timothy 2 and 5, which says that there's only one mediator between heaven and earth, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus is standing in the gap, interceding for us. He's mediating for us. Hallelujah. We all know what the Bible says in Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. This, my brothers and sisters, is a derivative of what took place a long time ago in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell. When Adam fell, all of society from that moment on was lost. As the book of Romans tells us, for as by one man's disobedience, sin, entered the world and spread to all men, making all sinners. You can be born a little bitty baby in this world. As precious as they are, they're born into sin. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. Amen. Theologians have come up with this age of understanding and things of that nature. But when we're born in this world, we're born in need of a savior. Jesus has to come in and do some things in our lives. And there are some folks In this place today that will leave you down when you're down, but not the God we serve. 
He said he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. That's what he said in his scriptures, in his word, his holy word. I love the fact that God never leaves us alone. He gives us an option of mega proportions. And even in the fall of man, there was a prophecy that was mentioned in Genesis 3.15 that resounds to us today and was fulfilled when God said, and I, Genesis 3.15, will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, that old devil, and between your seed and her seed, he, Jesus, shall bruise, one version says, crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And if we go all the way back to the book of Romans chapter 5, it says, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, Jesus, many were made righteous. Adam left us with death. But Jesus came to take the death away and give us life. You need to give God praise for that because you, you got to understand when you've been born again, what God has done in your life. There's been a transformation. We've talked about this many times before that that word transform in the New Testament means metamorphosis. It's going in as one thing and coming out as something else. We went in as sinners, but when the blood got a hold of us. <laughs> I came out something else. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So no matter what anybody else says about you, you got to know what the word says about you. So church, one thing I believe we should have as Christians, if nobody else possesses it, we should have a good old dosage of expectation. Christians must live their lives with expectation. Everybody say expectation. If God said it in his word, then that settles the matter. I grew up in church where I used to hear them say something like, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, I got news for you whether I believe it or not. If God said it, that settles the matter. So when we live with expectation, expectation is expectation. Expecting. It is anticipating. Another way to put it is to be positioned to receive from God, which is what righteous, a righteous living is all about. Righteousness is simply being in right standing with God. The Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And I feel this leads me to a conclusion that the reason why I must not forsake the assembling of myself is because God is up to something. God wants to do something when we gather together. God is going to do something when we come together. So it is expectation. The Bible says that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them, which leads me to the conclusion that I must trust God and pray to the Lord not aimlessly nor foolishly, but praying with biblical soundness. Hear me in this room today. And when I pray with biblical soundness, I should expect that God is going to do what he said in his word, and that is answer my prayer. It's expectation. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, if we pray anything according to the word of God, the will of God, 
he hears us, and knowing that God hears us, hear us, we should know expectation that whatever we've asked, he's going to do it in our lives. I must, you must, we must expect in our relationship with God, God to do what he said he's going to do. Catch this now. The Bible says that Jesus was taken up into the heavens and as Jesus was taken up in the book of Acts, the Bible says that the disciples stood there gazing into the heavens when, when the angel spoke and said, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? Don't you know that the same way he's going up, the same way he's coming back again? Watch this, church. It leads me to the conclusion that I should be living my life with expectancy that one day Jesus is coming back to get me. Church, we should be living our lives with the, the expectancy that God wants to and God will do great things in our lives. As a matter of fact, he's already done all he needs to do. One person preached us a long time ago and said if he never does anything else, he's already done enough. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend a month ago or so and he was telling me how him and his wife launched a business and and, and he said that, man, God has blown he and his wife's mind beyond their expectations in this business venture. And he quoted a well-known verse of scripture, Ephesians 3.20. We all know this one, which says, God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Listen. Don't miss this. Expectation does not show up when God does it. Expectation is to be in your spiritual birth canal way before God ever performs it. If you're waiting on him to do it and he never does it, then you're going to start doubting him. But if, if you're you waiting on him to do it and you say, God, I expect it, I'm expecting something to happen, then that's what living by faith is all about. See, we got to build our relationship up with Christ. Yeah, I know he's already done everything he's going to do, but as long as we live in these flesh suits that we're in, we can grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can grow. We can grow. Look at your other neighbor. Tell him we can grow. This is why the Bible says that you ought to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, because you can grow. See, some people, we got it backwards. We wait on God to do it, and then we praise him. But I want to challenge our theology today that even though he hadn't done it yet, go ahead and get your praise on. Even though it hadn't manifested yet, give him thanks in advance. He's worth it. He's worth it. Amen. Hallelujah. So the challenge is, will you praise God ahead in advance before he ever performs? Because sometimes, especially in this season that we're in right now, we, we want God to play Santa Claus and we're looking for his hands and not his face. But God is looking for some God chasers that's seeking his presence. Because in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. And that his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on, somebody in this room. Everybody say expectations. God made Abraham a promise, and Abraham believed God. God said, you're going to be a great nation. And everybody's looking at Abraham saying, where is this great nation? 
And Abraham says, I'm blessed, my wife blessed, my children are blessed. Didn't have anything yet, amen. But he was basing his belief on God made him a promise. And I wonder, is there anybody in this room today that will believe the promise that God made you? God is going to show up in your life when you least expect him to. And he's going to do exactly what he told you he's going to do in your life. It's expectation. Everybody say expectation. <laughs> it's not just in our knowing that we receive from God, but it's in our trusting. I promise you that I'm going to get to the book of John. I'm going to get there in a minute. Just give me, give me time to build this message. The Bible says that, that God has given each one of us a measure of faith. I've looked at this thing over and over again. I believe faith is the foundation. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. I understand that we have the whole of faith in Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, Abraham, by faith. Rahab, by faith, Joshua. We got all of these stories in the book of Hebrews that by faith, individuals did all these things. So faith is the foundation. But faith by itself is not all that we need because if you study the lives of these individuals who had faith, you'll find that they all, not necessarily with perfect living, but they, watch this, don't miss this, they trusted God. This is where I believe that faith has to evolve to trust because I believe Come on, somebody. I believe, I believe this with all my heart. Trust is faith graduating. I've come this far by faith. But I'm trusting God to carry me forward. Hallelujah, somebody. He did it for my mama. He did it for me. He did it for those in this room. I've come this far by faith, but I trust him. Hallelujah. Been too <laughs> been through too much to doubt him. I know too much about him. That's what somebody said a long time ago. Yes, I've gone through the fire, but God, as the songwriter said, there's another in the fire. Amen. So I trust him, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Can I help boost our faith in this room today? The Bible says if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall our heavenly father? Mm -hmm. I know, I know that the, the one, interpret, one text says, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more will God give us the Holy Spirit? I understand that, but God wants us to see the principle of the matter that if we can do good for our family and friends and folks, God is greater than we are. God can do way much more in our lives, but we must live with expectation. Mm -hmm. What I've discovered, church, is there must be an alignment between what God is doing and where the church is. There, there must be an alignment between what God said and where the church is. What God is going to do and where we are. There, there must be an alignment. We, we took a trip not too long ago, and we were leaving out of Georgia, coming back up 85, and all of a sudden, I felt this, you know, like a bobblehead, man. The car was doing this number. And I was like, this car needs an alignment. Like, and, 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 and don't miss this. I, I found that, that, that I not only needed, needed a four-wheel alignment, I needed the wheels speed balanced. I needed the wheels to get aligned. So once I got the wheels aligned and I got, got the four-wheel alignment, I hit the highway again, and it was like, yeah. 
See, sometimes in our life, when life beats on us and trials and tribulations mess with us and, and we go through things, we get out of alignment a little bit. Amen. And we're not necessarily on track. And sometimes we need, watch this, don't miss it, a spiritual alignment in our lives so that we can continue to be where God wants us to be at. So what I've discovered is biblical Christianity is unpopular, but popular Christianity is unbiblical. Don't miss that. So the word of God is alive. Everybody say the word of God is alive. Since the word of God is alive, that means it's not so much important that it just happened, though it did. But it is also important to understand that it is still happening. So when I live my life, if I don't understand that it's still happening, then I'll just go to the word and I'll approach the word of God as some kind of book, some kind of literature book or history book. Amen, somebody. And, and I'll miss what God is trying to say in my life. It's, it's nice phrases and good knowledge but, but, but I don't know how to then contextualize the word of God into my own life and, and make it alive to me in the moment. So, so I got to understand that it's not only that it did happen, but somebody say it's still happening. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. I'm, 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 I promise you I'm about to get to the text. Then what will happen is I'll get locked into the specificities of, of life and I'll miss the overriding principles and concept that God is trying to teach me in his word. So if I go to the word of God and I find out that a young man named David defeated a giant, that's a nice story. But it don't help me too much unless I understand that it's still happening. So, somebody shout, it's still happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still once I understand that it's still happening, then I understand that it's not about rocks and slingshots. The moment I understand that it's not that it did happen, but it's still happening, then I begin to understand that if David then defeated the giant he was facing in his life, this means that if I'm facing something that's too big for me, then I can also overcome the giants in my life because it's didn't just happen, but it's. Can I, can I go a little further? If I go to the word and read a story about three Hebrew boys being thrown into a fiery furnace, that's a fascinating story. I love it. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen, somebody. I love the story. Amen. We just talked about it. it was another in the fire, right? It's a fascinating story, but it don't help me too much. It's not helpful for me that it did happen. It's only helpful for me if it's still happening. So then I begin to understand that when things get too hot in my life, and when I get into the furnace of affliction in my life, the same God that jumped into their fire is the same God that would jump into my fire because it's not so much important that it did happen, but that it's it's still happening. Look at somebody beside you and say, it's still happening. It's, it's still happening. It's still happening. So when I read the word of God, I don't just go to the word of God to find out what it said. I go to the word to find out what is it saying to me right now. 
<laughs> now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And because his word is a living word and because it's sharper than any two-edged sword and because there's life and spirit in the word, it can say one thing to me in one season and in another season, it can say something totally different to me in my life based on where I'm at. And I can read the same scripture one year and it says one thing, but it says something else at another season in my life. Why? Because his word is alive and his word is still happening. Somebody celebrate the fact that the word of God. I remember telling you before how praises years ago that in whatever God is doing or whatever he's saying he's going to do, it requires, it requires one big thing from us. It requires our participation. We have to participate in whatever God is going to begin to do in our lives. And if I don't participate, it won't manifest in my life. So if I'm going to be delivered, I got to participate in my deliverance. If I'm going to be debt-free, it ain't no miracle. Amen. I got to participate in my debt-free living. Amen. If I'm going to succeed in certain areas of my life, it's not going to just drop out the sky. I got to participate. Everybody say, I got to participate. God is up to something, but are you going to participate in what God is going to do? And so watch this. In our text today, now touch, touch your neighbor tell them, we finally here. We finally here. We have the testimony of what Jesus said to those in the text and... Don't miss this, what Jesus is saying to us right now. Because it's not so much that it did happen, but the fact that it's, everybody say it's still happening. <laughs> and what Jesus, <laughs> I, I started off at verse 25 and 26 of John's gospel, chapter 11. Now after, don't, 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 don't miss this, the, don't miss the text. John, John's gospel, chapter 11. That, that, don't, don't, please don't miss the text. It's, it's, I, got, I got too much to cover. Let me slow down for a minute. I got too much to cover right quick in a little bit of time. My wife told me it don't be too long today, so all right. <laughs> now, this is, this is after Lazarus has died. The news has gotten to Jesus, and, and Jesus has gotten the iPhone call. Jesus has gotten a text message with the blue bubbles. The green bubbles, okay. Jesus has got the email right, and instead of Jesus, don't miss this, instead of Jesus <laughs> accelerating expeditiously, moving to get to his family who were close to him, Jesus slows down. <laughs> I don't know about you. And, and, and boy, y'all better not take me wrong. I love y'all. Y'all my family. And I love Jesus with all my heart. Don't you dare take me wrong. I love Jesus. But, but I, don't, I don't quite like the Jesus that slow down on me. I, I like the Jesus that show up right away. Bam! These folks needed a miracle. And Jesus goes in slow motion. He starts doing the, 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 the Neo thing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The Matrix thing. He starts doing that thing. Amen. And, and, and he slows down. Take note, though. 
Take note of this. Anytime Jesus is not in a hurry, your breakthrough is nigh. Somebody just missed that. <laughs> so Jesus is now here with his friends. And in John's gospel, chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to, to, to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this question. It's right there. Do you believe this? <laughs> I love the word. He throws out this grand revelation so powerful about resurrection and life, and then he puts a question at the end of it. Do you believe this? But before verses 25 and 26, which is the power of the text about the resurrection and the life, Jesus, once he arrives on the scene at Bethany, we read verse 23. In verse 23, look in your Bibles at what it says. Jesus makes a bold statement, and this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, your brother will live again. I love it when Jesus tells you the outcome before he performs the miracle. It's a booster shot of faith. It's, it's like the scripture's telling us you are the head and not the tail. It's like the scripture's telling us you are more than a conqueror, even though you're not a conqueror yet. Come on, somebody. He's trying to give you a booster shot of faith of where he's trying to take you to before it ever manifests in your life. It's like the scripture saying you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but you feel like right now you can't do nothing. Jesus says, yeah. Keep maturing, keep matriculating spiritually, and you can do all things through Christ. Come on, somebody. It's like Jesus saying your finances are going to be all right before they ever get all right. You know what I'm talking about? Listen to what I just said. He, he, he tells you the outcome before he performs the miracle. Your brother will live again is what Jesus says. Then, my brothers and sisters, we come to verse 34 in the text. In verse 34 in the text, Jesus is always cognizant about where you are. Don't miss that. Don't you, don't you mistake in his question as if he didn't know. Because Jesus knew everything. He knows everything. Whenever we find God asking questions in the text, he's trying to work on us. Not to inform himself. So in the text, verse 34, Jesus asked a question because he wants us to know, I know where you are right now. Where have you laid him? That's the question that's in the text, verse 34. When he shows up and he says, what's going on in your life? He already knows. I believe, saints of God, it's about trying to open the portal of communication. Talk to me. Sometimes we're trying to be intimate without being intimate. Does that make sense? We want the, the fireworks without the foreplay. Can I, can I say that? Well, if it's too late, I already said it. And I... Where have you laid him? Talk to me. 
Jesus, Jesus, talk to me. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says, verse 38, what we just read today in our text, Jesus groaning in himself because everybody's around crying. The groan wasn't because everybody was crying. The groaning was because there was a lack of faith in who God was, who God is. Jesus is groaning within himself. He come to the tomb. It was a cave, verse 38 says, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, don't miss it, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench. Well, he's been in this thing four days now, but don't miss verse 39. It's so important. Jesus says, take away the stone. I know what's behind the stone. I know that a smell may come out of this tomb. Amen, somebody. But you need to know that I have the power because I've already previously told you I am the resurrection and the life. Take away the stone. Yeah, because the devil has fooled someone in this room today. And those of you watching online, he's fooled somebody into thinking that, oh, well, this is the way it's going to always be in my life. I got a stone in front of the cave and I can't get out and nothing can get in. But Jesus says, take away the stone. This is the way things are going to end up. By this time, there's a stench. In other words, by this time, there's no hope. But Jesus says, take away the stone. Touch somebody beside you and say, give God praise for taking away the stone. Because I got news for your church. Even though this is the way things have been for a while now in your life, Things are about to begin to change in your life. Take away the stone. Why? Because you got to participate. Don't you know Jesus could have just, just did this number with his, 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 his God. And he he, he could have just said stone move and the stone would have just rolled on over. He could have said stone disappear and the stone would have just disappeared. But Jesus said, no, you take away the stone. Participate. Lord, we ain't rolling that stone away. Well, your brother going to stay dead then. Lord, I've been in this marriage dog on 10 years and ain't nothing changed about that girl. I ain't, I ain't, uh uh-uh, uh, ain't done. Well, she's just gonna stay dead then because you're not willing to put any effort forth. Take away the stone. Lord, I've been stuck on this no good job for all this time. There you go. You're already doing the wrong thing. You fussing instead of praising and praying. Amen, somebody. Stop fussing and start saying, Lord, I thank you on this job. Lord, I'm going to bless your name in this career. Until my change comes, I'm going to give you praise right now. Take away the stone. Yeah, you, you, you got to participate in this thing, baby. Come on, somebody. Because things are about to change. And then we get to verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you? <laughs> Come on, y'all. This is, this, is, this is some good stuff in the text. In the, it's in the word. Did I not say to you? Because Jesus loves trying to get us aligned. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? In other words, in other words, church, Jesus says, Trust me, I got this. I don't know who that's for, but somebody going through something right now. Trust me. That's what God is saying to you right now in a still, small voice. Trust me. I got this. Verse 41. 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was. <laughs> and here's Jesus. He lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. See, Jesus leads by example, right? Father, I thank you that you've heard me. It's verse 42. And I know that you will always hear me, but because of the people, because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So he's leading by perfect example. You got to know who to talk to when you come into some rocks and hard places in your life. You got to, you got, come on somebody. It's good to talk to friends, but, but, but that's going to wear thin. It, it's good to have a friend in Jesus, amen, that, that when I can't talk to nobody else, I can go in my prayer closet and just get down on my knees and begin to have a conversation with God. Verse 43 says, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, if you were asleep, maybe I got you right on that moment, come forth. Great God from Zion. Woo. Have you ever thought about this text right here? This, this one verse. What, what verse we on? Verse 44. No, no, no. Verse 43, right? Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Josh, it's in the text. I got to keep calling Josh out. It's in the text. Lazarus, come forth. I love it. Because with God being who he is, who spoke the worlds into existence, who said in Genesis, let there be, and it was, and it was good. Let there be, and it was, and it was good. If he would have stood at the entrance to the tomb and just shouted, come forth, everybody who had died by that time would have got up and came forth. So Jesus had to be specific in his talk. Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus. Come forth. And the Bible says, verse 44, and he who had died came out bound. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to, come on somebody. I'm, I'm about to help somebody. In this room. He, he, he who had died came out bound, hand, foot, with grave clothes on. Y'all know I love, I see dead men walking. That was the sixth sense, right? I see dead people. Verse 44. He came out bound. Hand, foot with grave clothes on, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, to them, loose him and let him go. I, I'm trying to wonder how Lazarus, how, how Lazarus was walking. Maybe he was scooping out, you know, hopping out or whatever, because, you know, they wrapped them in these, 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 clothes, these grave clothes. And, 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 and when, when he shows up alive, he, he, Jesus says, watch this, loose him, verse 44, loose him and let him go. God, see, listen, don't you miss this. God is not just reviving you. He's not just bringing you new life, but he wants to loose you from everything that's been holding you up in your life, everything that's been hindering you in your life, everything that's been plaguing you in your life, every stronghold, every addiction. Jesus is saying, loose him.
Loose them and let them go. I, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost because God is telling somebody in this room right now, somebody watching, your life is never going to be the same again. Loose him and let him go because God longs for us to taste what he has to offer. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> He wants us to experience that he is the great I am. Because what I discovered, high praises, is I get ready to close today. Reading about him is good. Hearing about him is good. But if you leave this life without having deeply experienced God, then you may have known a nice truth from a distance, but you will never have known all that he can do for you. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> and today as we parenthetically insert this into our lives and down our streets, down to our address where we are right now, I hear Jesus saying, whatever your name is, whatever your situation is, come forth. Hallelujah, somebody. We got to insert our personal lives into the text of scripture to make it come alive to us. And Jesus is saying career, come forth. Marriage, come forth. Health, come forth. Relationships, come forth. Hope, come forth. Come on, somebody. Family, come forth. Finances, come forth. <laughs> Joy, peace, whatever it may be in your life, Jesus is saying, come forth in your life. Hallelujah. And I want to talk to some folks today who feel like life has presented you with a bunch of dead situations. Whatever's dying in your life can be called forth. Jesus can call dead things to life again. And when he does... You won't need somebody else to tell you how good God is because you will have experienced him for yourself. And I wonder, as I look around this sanctified room, is there anybody that would just, not everybody at the same time, but anybody just want to testify and stand on your feet as I get ready to close and say, I can testify that God is good and God has spoken in my life, come forth. Is there anybody in this room today that God has done some miracles in your life? Amen. Anybody in this room today, amen, that God has turned some situations around that were dead end situations? Come on. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in this room that you know you don't deserve it, that you should be dead six feet deep, rolling in your grave, hallelujah, at your final destination, but God, but God, but God, hallelujah, but God turned it around. And you know how awesome and how great he is. Hallelujah. Because I got news for somebody in this room today. This is, a, this is a powerful statement. God longs to be more than just theology on a shelf. Amen. 
God longs to be more than just theology on the shelf. He wants to be real in you. Hallelujah. Listen to me. God is up to something. He's always up to something. The question is, are you going to get in on it? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.